Psalms, and we're looking at Psalm 119, and we are right on the 11th uh, letter, or the 11th octave, I don't know why I hadn't seen that word before, but uh, a section of eight verses, and all the words begin with the letter Kaph, K-A-P-H, and depends on how, you know, I've seen it spelled different ways every time you look at a, a, a Bible, even King James, it depends on the publisher how they spell it, but it's um, the um, it's a word. Every every uh, verse begins with uh, this Hebrew letter, um, and I like what I put in here about uh, life is filled with uncertainties and situations beyond our control. This psalmist was facing enemies who threatened his life or life as he knew it. And uh, have you ever done that? Well, you know that. No matter what happens on the other side, things are going to be different. And so he knows that he's going through some major problems. And as we've seen almost in every octave, we've seen that he has referred to the enemies that are trying to destroy him. And so this is the big pressing situation in his life. Something that's out of his control. Sounds like some very powerful people. Excuse me. He says... And he meditates on God's word, seeking God's solace through prayer. He expresses great confidence in God as he battles fear of the future. Um, in previous sections, he acknowledges God's care. And we've seen that in like, um, well, let's just look at the, the verse 73. We go back and he says, um, you know, your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. So the whole idea, you've controlled me, you've made me, you've given me the abilities that I have. And so Lord, uh, I can trust you because you've made me and you know what's best for me. He says in this section, he, his mind goes from fear to faith and back again. And we'll see that. Uh, this is probably the lowest. In fact, uh, we see that uh, Spurgeon says, this octave is the midnight of this psalm. And very black it is. The strain will, after this, become more cheerful. And so we will see this. In fact, we'll refer to this in a moment. Um, and so, in fact, you can look at uh, Psalm 89, verse 89, of, um, and this is the very next octave. He says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heavens. And verse 97 Oh, how I love your law. And it is my meditation all, uh, all the day. In verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So we see that uh, he's getting back on track. But this is another one of those times where have you, when you're praying to the Lord and you feel like uh, you know, I could take everything to the Lord in prayer. And uh, the problem is, is leaving it there, isn't it? Because you can get back to work. And even in the middle of a prayer, fear can strike you again. Uh, sometimes we try, to, I think we oversell uh, our, uh, our spirituality or our Christianity. Uh, if you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, let Jesus come into your heart. That's true. And, I, and we've experienced that. But also, they who walk godly in Christ Jesus will have testings. You will suffer persecutions. They're with this whole world's not our home. We're just passing through. And so we know that uh, we know that we've got to learn how to look at the situations, both good and bad, 
in the, the light of God's will for our lives? And can we trust him when things seem to be going wrong? Um, uh, I rejoice in the Lord, though his testing seem long, through darkness he brings us song. And so uh, can we trust God in that? This octave is the midnight, as we said, Spurgeon said. But he says, uh, we seek the spiritual exercise of, we see the spiritual exercise of a man of God who battles his temporal insecurities. Um, and don't we all battle temporal insecurities? You know, it's uh, one thing to trust the Lord eternally, but it's another thing to trust him in the nasty now and now. And uh, this is one of the things, and that's the reason we sing the song, we sang the song tonight, stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as he promised that perfect peace and rest. And of course that comes from thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee. And uh, that is in Isaiah chapter 26. But if you'll notice that passage, it's also talking about the millennium. So is that when the people have perfect peace? Uh, I can have it for an instant, but I can go right back into worrying about things. This old mind of mine is very deceitful. How about yours? I can go from, Lord, I know you can take care of me, to, Lord, are you going to take care of me? And, uh, Lord, uh, uh, I know I could trust you in the future. I know who holds the future, and I know who holds my hand. But, Lord, you know, I, I need to see it. And so we all have those but you know, really, if there was not a reason to doubt, then there wouldn't be a reason for faith. You've got to have, you know, these testings in life or there's not, I mean, you've got to have a situation where you say, Lord, only you can meet this need. Only you can show me that you answer prayer. Um, I had just little things sometimes. I was um, out here in the snow day for yesterday with minus what, five, 10, 15 degrees uh, all day long. And um, I locked the door, and I had, uh, then, but I rechecked the mailbox because it had ice in it. And then I went out to my car, and I had the key for the, for the car, but I realized I didn't have the key for, my, for the building that I just locked. And so I came back up to make sure I didn't leave it in the, but I knew it had to be between the car and here. But here it is 15 below zero, and you're searching for a key. And the wind is blowing. And so I went back and forth. You know, you check every pocket. You got all these coats on and you got the cargo pants on and you check over and over again. But by this time, you're getting cold. And, um, and so um, I said, you know, it was just one of those things. You know, I haven't even prayed about this. Lord, can you help me find the keys? You know, and just one of those things. Even if he hadn't, at least I'm praying to him, you know. But uh, I go back up and I just retrace my step and I knew that it had to be in that snow somewhere. And so, but, you know, how do you find keys and snow when the snow is, you know, two feet above the sidewalk all the way from there to the car? And so um, I just, you know, Lord, you're going to direct me. And I went back to the mailbox and I said, you know, and I just started, you know, uh, and uh, just started by deduction. I said, this is the last time I know I had the keys. And so I reached down and I went through the snow and my fingers hit something and it was the keys. And it was by this time I was, my, my hands were getting stiff, you know. So uh, there again, did God, you say, well, that's nothing. Anybody could do that. Well, I give credit to the Lord. I asked him, did I, did I not? 
uh, because and, and the good thing about it, it's been cold enough that uh, no, one, no, no one else would have found them. The bad thing about it would have been if the snow had melted and there's the keys with the safe and everything else in here that, uh, that we have. And so uh, just one of those things, that I, you ask the Lord even for the small things. Do, do we pray for the, you know, for the big things or the small things? But you know that, that the more that we see God answer prayer, uh, the more that we can trust him. And uh, when I say that, even when the car tears up, and I've mentioned how that I make, you know, wreckers, and I've been able to witness to people. When, uh, you know, when, one time back a few months, years ago, um, whenever I was coming to vacation Bible school, serving the Lord, and the old computer in the car went bad. Well, um, I was able to meet the wrecker and talk with him, and he just moved out of, you know, across the street, but was able to be a real witness to him for, for years because of that. Uh, so let's, so the God can work those divine appointments, as we call it. And so um, can we trust God, though, you, though the testing seem long? And so we see that in every verse in this section begins with the letter Kaf. Now, I divided it up into four different sections. And we see that this man was weary, but he was not... Uh, but he was not... Uh, he was weary. Excuse me. He was weary from the the journey, but he was not weary of the journey. And if you go to John chapter four, verse six, the Bible tells us in the prior verses that he must needs or he needed to go through Samaria. Well, the Lord knew what he was going to do. He had that divine appointment with the with the Samaritan woman at the well. But um, so he needed to go through Samaria, but the Bible says he was weary because of the journey, or King James says weary with the journey. Well, the Lord got weary. He was a, he was a man of like passions as we are. I mean, he was as far as his flesh and so forth, God in the flesh. And yet he was not weary of it. I would equate it with a, a mother who has had a child all day long, and at two o'clock in the morning, they wake up crying. You're weary of the journey, but you're not weary with that journey. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, you're weary of the kid, but you're not weary, weary with the kid. And so, so it is in life, uh, you know, in the ministry, you get weary. You get weary of people. Uh, someone said uh, uh, the ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. But, you know, uh, you, know you get weary with the people but you don't get weary of the people. After all, that's the reason you're, you're there. And so it is in, in every walk of life. Uh, and this man was weary with the problem. I mean, how long have um, we've gone through? Now this is the 11th uh, octave of verses that we have here. And it seems like it's the same problem. And he is weary with this. And I'm thinking as he's looking at this, you know, he, would, uh, he, he was going through the letters of the alphabet and I think he took breaks between each one of these prayers that he had here. And he would think about it and pray. And we see his moods go from euphoria to, to the pits and then back again. And isn't that the way we do? I mean, Lord, I trust you with all my heart. But then, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow? We're, the fear of the unknown. And I'm a, Lord, I know that you can help me with this person. 
but I dread meeting that person. You know, so you go through those problems as you, as we look at life, and uh, we see that he says, "My soul faints." I mean, notice. Um, we'll just read this. For, this. He says, "My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. My eyes fail from searching your word, saying, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in smoke, yet I do not forget your statutes. How many are the days of your servant when you execute justice or judgment on those who persecute me? The proud have dug pits for me, which is not according to your law. All your commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help me. They almost made an end of me on earth, but I, did, but I did not forsake your precepts. Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. Now, he goes on from there. You notice, in fact, in verse 84 is one of the two times that uh, the one of the eight different words for the Bible are not mentioned. Of course, you have judgments in the word and, um, and the testimonies and precepts, uh, the eight uh, ways that uh, the word is described in the 176 verses. And there's two verses that aren't. And here we have, in, right in the middle of, uh, of the psalm, you have one of those where the uh, reference to the word is not, and that's in verse 84. But we see now he says, he's weary of the journey. Excuse me, he's weary from the journey. My soul faints. He's emotionally exhausted. His flesh, of course, uh, in Psalm 73, the psalmist says in verse 26, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And of course, we looked at that word portion. What God does God have laid up for those who trust him? As we go as we look forward to being with him, our inheritance. And he's gone to prepare a place for us and we'll have a portion in heaven. And so I know that and uh, my flesh and my heart fail me at times. I'm just weary, I'm tired, I'm worn out and Lord, I'm trusting in your strength. I'm, I'm, I've had it, I can't go any farther without you. But you know, it's interesting. Every time I get to that point, I always find out that I have a little more. That's where God just seems like he's, meets the needs. And so we see that um, um, he, uh, yet through all, I like what um, G. Campbell Morgan says here. He says, yet through all, notice carefully the green gleams of light. I hope, I do not forget, the commandments are, uh, thy commandments are faithful. I forsook not thy precepts. Thus, in the very darkest hour, when God appears to be inactive as a helper, and the, and the activities of foes seem to be successful, the trusting soul clings to God. And that's, you know, this, uh, there again is when it seems like you've struck out, seems like uh, the, the scorn is getting to you, the unpopularity, the people looking down. I have to admit, one of the most difficult things for me is when I think people are trying to be superior or looking down on me. Well, I mean, that competitive, that second-born nature that, you know, and again, I'll show you, it's one of my fighting spirits, you know, uh, don't look down on me uh, when I say that. 
of course, you realize sometimes, you, you know, people are out of your league and all that stuff. But it's interesting, the people out of your league, uh, the gracious ones, really make you feel like you're in their league. You know, you notice that the great people in life that you know are miles ahead of you, and yet they have that gift of just making you feel like you're one of them. I love that. And I hope if anybody feels like I'm out of their league, superior, that I make them feel that way. Because that's the way, that's, that's the Christian graciousness. Wasn't the Lord out of our league? But did he make people feel comfortable? So conversely, uh, the opposite of that, which is uh, godliness is, you know, what Jesus was like. Uh, ungodliness is what Jesus wasn't like, or just the opposite. And so here he's got all these people that are scorning him and are, you know, he's thinking they're going to try to destroy him. And yet he's trusting in the Lord. Notice he says, but I hope in your word. I've got to keep my mind on you and not on what people say. I've got to keep my mind on what you say. Um, and then notice again, he says, my eyes fail me from searching your word. I'm even weary from being in your word. Not weary of your word, but I've been, I mean, I'm tired. I'm tired. I've, now, I've been going on, uh, if he's been doing one of these a day, that's 11 days. It's over a week. If it's a one a week, then it's 11 weeks. But this thing has been going on for quite a while. And it's wearing him out physically, as well as emotionally. And he says, uh, but notice again, he says, saying, when will you comfort me? Remember how many times did we see in the prior Psalms, how long, O Lord, how long, how long? We see all that all through different Psalms, starting in Psalm 6, verse 3, right on through. And I didn't list them all. Uh, in fact, I try to keep it to one page. And you notice that I pretty well took up both sides of this page. But all the times in... Um, the book of Psalms, all the way up to the Psalm 119. How many times? How long, Lord, do you remember me? And so, and of course, tribulation worketh patience. Can I really trust God in these situations? And so, uh, Lord, uh, when will you comfort me? And again, we see, um, we see this with a lot of different people. Uh, in Lamentations, uh, Jeremiah was walking through Jerusalem. He says, my eyes fail excuse me, with tears, my heart is troubled. My bile is poured out on the ground. Now that's kind of gross, but he's saying, I'm throwing my, my insides up. I mean, I'm just, you know, I won't get any grosser than that, but I'm getting to the point where, and that's why I understand once you have thrown up everything you have, then you actually start excreting or your bile ducts start going the wrong way. And you start, then all that greenish liquid, well, let's don't get too gross, but that's all bile. And he was so sick that he was dry heaving, if you want to call it that. And uh, other people, of course, uh, we see in uh, John 6, uh, 16, 33, the Lord says, don't, uh, um, don't be surprised when people hate you because they hated me before they hated you. And then that's paraphrasing, of course. I like what Warren Wiersbe put there. The Christian life is a battleground, not a, play, a playground. And we must expect tribulation. And so yeah, we're in a battle uh, for the Lord. And if it's not an inward battle, it's an outward battle. And so we have our doubts and fears personally. And then we have people who want to instill those doubts and fears into us. 
And so, that, and of course, the devil wants to do it more than any. So we see, first of all, he was weary from the battle, but he was not weary of the battle. He knew this old world, folks, I'm going to be battling it till the day I die. The one thing that helped me is one of those uh, coming of age things. I was a little up older, uh, in my 40s, I guess, at the time, maybe. Uh, but uh, all my life, I'd heard these old-fashioned preachers, they'd talk about sin, man, and how bad it is. Boy, they get going on it, and you think, boy, these guys live above whatever they're talking about. But the older I got, the more I was still having, you know, those problems as far as, you know, battling them and all that. When do you get to the point when you're not immune? I really praise the Lord, a preacher that I've really respect, respected all my life, and I won't mention him now, but uh, he was preaching. He said, uh, Folks, I'm 53 at the time, and now he's up in his 80s, so that must have been when I was in my 30s. But um, he said, you know, and I'm still not there yet. He said, and he was talking to a bunch of men. It was kind of funny because his wife was talking to the women upstairs, and they were dying laughing up there. And he was really making us feel like, well, you know, we're just a bunch of sinners down there. And one of the men that was with me in our church, he said, man, like the women are having a great old time and here we are going to hell. You know, it's one of those things where, <laughs> you know, you felt that way. But, uh, uh, but you know, that's the, I really appreciated that because that made me realize that no matter how old you're getting, he said, the face it, guys, we're going to have these types of problems all your life. And that's true. Whatever problems that, and the one thing I found is that in the ministry, you find that people's problems started usually as a teenager. So uh, Evelyn, enjoy your teenage years. You got a few more days, but uh, you'll have the same type problems now, 30 years from now that you have right now. Different in some ways, but they'll be the same kind of problems. And so, and that's, uh, you know, we just got to, they, they come at us from different different directions. But he says, um, so I'm, I'm weary of it. Excuse me, I'm weary from it. But uh, get used to it, folks. It's going to be with you. Uh, life, uh, man is born for problems as the sparks fly upward, as the writer of Ecclesiastes says. And so we can expect it. So he was weary from, but no weary of. But then the next thing in verses 83 and 84, we see that he was waiting, but not wavering. Remember what we said, they that wait on the Lord. There's two ways of waiting. Waiting is like a waiter serving and then waiting as far as endurance. And we're to do both, aren't we? We're to be working, watching, and waiting for the Lord Jesus. And so we see that, um, that we're uh, waiting, not wavering. He says, My, I have become like a wineskin in smoke. Now this is the down. We said this is the downer octave. And so he said, a wineskin in, uh, um, in smoke was, or I think the King James says bottle. But um, actually, well, they would take those wineskins made out of usually a bladder or some type of part of the animal. They, some, uh, I don't know how they could sew them together, but they'd make them waterproof or they would actually take the literal bladder out of a camel or whatever and sanctify it, purify it, whatever. And that would be a wineskin. That would be their water, water bottles. Now, what they would do would hang them up on the little stick that went across their, their tip pole or whatever. And, uh, if, and of course, in the wintertime, they would have, and those tents would have a hole in the middle so the smoke can go out. 
you like a teepee or whatever else. And so, but if the, but also you'd have smoke at the top of the tent. Well, those wineskins would start blackening, especially if they stayed up there and weren't used. But if they stayed up there too long, then they would actually get brittle and dry out. You had to keep water in them, especially animal skin. They had to be filled, uh, used, or they would dry out very quickly. Um, I remember back a couple of years ago, Judy was wanting a water bottle, hot water bottle. Uh, she was afraid of going to sleep with, uh, with a heating pad. And she was eating a, I think that was back when she was having hip problems or whatever. And I said, I know we got one around here somewhere, but I haven't seen it in years. And I found it in a cabinet and it was in the back of the cabinet and I took it out and it was rolled up into a little ball, into a, you know, you've seen them. And um, I unrolled it and the thing was just like a piece of cake inside. It was just all, it was all dried out. And of course it was worthless. And here you're saying, you know, I feel like a, just a dirty old worthless person. You ever felt like that? <laughs> you know, just, I mean, I'm just, it's the pits, man. I've had it. As, uh, as Irma Bombach used to say, if life is a, full, is a bowl full of cherries, what am I doing in the pits? Well, you know, here, uh, he just felt totally worthless. And I tell you, if you really want to feel worthless at times, get in the ministry. I mean, you could feel worthless, inadequate, you name it, you can feel it. And so, uh, because, of course, that's the way the Lord's got to keep you that way in order for him to show his power through you. And so, again, we see that he says, I feel so worthless, but I do not forget. Notice he's wavering. Oh, excuse me, he's not wavering, but he is waiting. He says, you know, I, I feel this way, but I'm not going to give up. I have kept your word, and I'm, Lord, I'm hanging on for dear life. And I'm in it with you for the long haul. And then he says, again, notice now, he says, uh, how many are the days of your servant? Lord, I've only got a few more days of my life. I mean, after a year of this, I'm a little tired of it. How many more years do I have? When will this ever end? And he says, uh, when will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? Notice this, the one verse, right in the middle of all the Psalms, uh, of the 100, all the verses, 176 verses, right in the middle is one of the verses that doesn't refer to the word. It, now it gets close, he says, uh, your judgment, but he doesn't say anything about, your, about the word. But Lord, uh, how long, when will you execute judgment? I'm expecting, Lord, I need to see you Act. So this is one of the, as Spurgeon says, one of the lowest points in the entire uh, meditation upon the Word of God in the passage. Lord, how long? I'm, I've, I'm, I'm within an inch. Are you going to sustain me? And so again, he is waiting, and he, and yet he is not wavering. He's just holding on, uh, and he's really declaring, Lord, even in this, I'm wondering about you but I haven't given up on you. And so uh, again, we see that he's trusting the Lord. And then the verses 85 and 86, he's wary of the situation. He knows they're out there and he's, he is fearful of the unknown and yet he is confident that God can take care of him. So he is wary and yet he is expressing, Lord, I don't want to worry. Again, it's one of those things where you see that sign 
on a car that says, no fear. What does that tell you? There's a reason for them to fear, right? They're, they're battling fear. And other things that people put on their, you know, the, when they say they don't, no judgment zone. Guess what they're doing? They're judging you when you walk in, <laughs> you know. Uh, don't judge, you know, what, no gun zone. Guess what? That's an invitation for those who have guns. They want to stir up mischief. So it's over and over again. We see that many times the things that people express come out just the opposite. But um, we see that he was, uh, he was wary of the situation. And, uh, uh, and he knows, he says, um, the proud have dug pits for me. Now, the, a guy who digs pits covers it up so you can't see it. Those traps in life. Things that hit you out of nowhere, and you don't know where they came, they came from. Uh, you think you're doing well, and all of a sudden you're finding out that people are saying just the opposite. Those hurt. People set you up to fail. Or you say one thing to someone as a pastor, and you think you've really gotten through to them, and then the next thing you know, they've twisted it and told everybody in church how mean and cruel you were to them. And that, that hurts, you know, that really hurts, especially when people doubt you and people that really, that you care for doubt you. And so, and that happens in all, in our lives, it happens for the relatives, doesn't it? And if it hasn't happened to you, it will, you know, different things that people will, will twist on you. But uh, they've dug a pit and I don't know where they are, but Lord, and notice the discernment, they're not according to your law. So I know that they are outside of your will. Now there's the pits. He says, all your commandments are faithful. So my Lord knows the way through the pits. The Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. So Lord, even if I fall in the pits, you tell me that the steps of a good man are ordered by, ordered by the Lord and he directs his way and though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hands. So Lord, if I fall into the pit, you know I have a way, to, you have a way of getting me out. He hath brought me up out of a horrible pit and set my feet out upon, my rock, upon a rock and established my going. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. I saw, love that Psalm 1 or Psalm 40. And so even when you fall in the pit, David's uh, experience was, but he brought me out of the pit. He got me out of it. And so, Lord, uh, they've set pits for me, and I know that you can help me to avoid them because I want to follow you. But even if I do get blindsided, in some way it's going to be in your will that you're going to be glorified in it because you're going to help me get out of it and show people your power in my life. And so that's what we want to see. So he says uh, the, the, problem, the danger was the pits. The discernment was... Um, but it was, they were doing it against God's law. Uh, and then notice he says, all your commandments are, faith, are faithful. I, so I could trust in, your command, trust in your commandments. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Okay, that's all good, but Lord, there's the pits out there. And yet the promise is he who digs in the, the pit or he who digs a pit will fall into it. Proverbs uh, chapter 26, verse 27. So, uh, okay, God, they dug the pit and it has hurt me. 
but I'm going to wait on you to see what you will do in their lives. You have a way of turning that on them, or you have a way of turning it in my favor. So Lord, uh, can I trust you? Can I trust you that you can show me that uh, those person, people that really hurt me or that I think are trying to hurt me, that, uh, that Lord, the main thing is I want to get them saved, you know, but at the same time, show me what you can do in protecting me and what you can do in verifying your word to me. And then I like, this is the greatest prayer, folks. I don't know how to pray as I ought. What's the best thing when you don't know how to pray as you ought? Help! Don't you love that? Oh, thou that sittest on the realms of the universe, come and bless my humble soul. You know, God knows you're a phony. And if I know you're a phony praying that way, God knows it better than I do. But a good old, you know, someone, who was it? Uh, one of our men the other day, I don't, Pastor, I just really don't know how to pray. Well, praying is talking to God. I don't want you to learn these flowery prayers. I want you just to know how to talk to God and mean it. And so don't try to impress me with your prayer or anybody else. Uh, I like it when people say, you know, I came to church here and uh, your people just, they talk to God like he's a person. <laughs> you know, he, that's, that's what we want. Help! You know, Lord, I don't know what else to do. And if, uh, help me! I, I thought about that's what I should have put there is help me because when I put help as the title, uh, then I thought that's uh, an old Beatles song, Help. And so, you know, I didn't want to identify with that. So maybe I should re re uh, rename that, Help Me. But um, what's that? Yeah, last week it was Twiggy, this week it's the Beatles. Okay, oh boy. So there again, the 60s. I just can't get the 60s out of my mind. But uh, like someone said, I saw again, so these us baby boomers were picking up on this stuff. It was better to be in my 20s and the 70s than to be in my 70s and the 20s. And so, <laughs> but uh, here again, we see that, uh, he, you know, just pray. Pray to the Lord. Help. Lord, I don't know how to pray. I, I, you know, well, just learn how to talk to God as a person. Well, that's what, he, what we need to do. When, uh, and the Spirit bears what our spirit, that we are the children of God. And he makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. So many times the Holy Spirit's groaning with us. Isn't that good that you have a paraclete, you have a, someone who walks alongside you and feels what you feel. He feels your pain, as the politician said, and he knows how to communicate to God the Father about them all. And so, Lord, can I, I'm weary, and I'm worry, 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 uh, but Lord, take care of my worry. I want to trust you. I'm really going to trust you in this situation. I've got a thousand reasons why I don't want to willfully, but I also willfully, I will trust you. And so it's a battle of the mind. Can I trust God in this situation? And so um, we see that, uh, um, so, and what's the reason? Um, again, uh, is verses 87 and 88, and this is the end result. What are other people seeing? Notice he says, they almost made an end of me on the earth. Now the Jews can say that today over and over again, can't they? Especially a Jewish Christian. Look, I mean, people are trying to destroy Jews. 
And of course, by extension, they're trying to destroy Christians today. And um, how sad that is. Um, but we see that uh, they've tried to make it, they tried to destroy me. You know, there's something that came through my mind the other day and I can't get it out. Uh, and I have had problems with the person. I knew that person was trying to destroy my reputation. And I still have problems with that person. I have to pray for him all the time, but it's been a long time ago. It's been 40 years since I've seen him. But that still hurts. How that I knew that person was trying to destroy everything I stood for. And they almost, I mean, the pit was there. Fortunately, God helped me to dodge it. But it was there. And uh, they were waiting for me to fall in and praise the Lord. The Lord had a man in the church come and just say, Pastor, this is what's going on. I go, oh, you know, this guy was buttering me up and everything else, but he was trying to, trying to take about half the church with him. And I'm going, oh, how sad that was. And, uh, that, but I trusted him. You know, it was one of those, and they're there again the night that the Lord was betrayed, you know, when the Lord knew what betrayal was all about. Well, that still hurts today, knowing that that guy honestly was trying to destroy me and my ministry. Uh, and so there again, he's older now, and I'll let God take care of him. And, you know, so he's never asked to, in fact, I got with him one time, tried to reconcile with him. And I just was talking to him and I said, you know, uh, this was a real problem. And I, I hate that it happened. He said, and he smiled at me. He said, yes, and it could have been a lot worse. He kind of looked right at me and I, and he kind of like, I could have made it a whole lot worse. And I'm going, and I just said, okay, this conversation's over. That's the last time I talked with him. You know, you can't, you can't reconcile with somebody that is still trying to kill you, you know, or trying to whatever. And so I don't know why he hated me. After all, how can anybody love a, hate a guy like me, you know? But, uh, but there again, he did. And that isn't the other way we all feel. You know, how can somebody hate me that bad? Uh, I didn't hear that from the peanut gallery, but I won't uh, try. <laughs> but um, there again, you know, uh, Lord, um, they almost killed me, but I'm going to trust you. But then a witness and not weakness. Lord, now notice that he says, they almost made an end of the earth, uh, but I did not forsake your precepts. And the one thing that I praise the Lord for is that uh, I was talking to a man that was in one of my former ministries. He said, you know, you've really got a reputation around here. I said, what is that? He said, you can really take a hit and keep on going. I go, I didn't know that. I mean, I, as many times as I cried over that situation or heard, you know, but he said, you didn't give up. You kept, and as a result, that church is prospering now. And uh, I'm going, I didn't, you know, I never knew I got the credit, you know, <laughs> or whatever. But, you know, uh, they, try to, they try to destroy you. The devil, if, the, if people don't, God will, I mean, excuse me, the devil will try to destroy you. And so, um, but he says, revive me or quicken me, as the King James says, make me alive according to your loving kindness. There's that great word again. So that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. There's the inspiration of the word. It was God breathed to us. This is the very word of God breathed from God's mouth to us. Lord, that may people find that your Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, but Lord, may other people see that word working through me. Amen? Is that what we want to see? Lord, others, let others see. 
He hath brought me out of a horrible pit and established my goings. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Boy, that's what I want. That's a great verse, isn't it? Psalm 40, verse 3. So again, we see that now this is the lowest point. He's right in the middle of his meditations and he's going to start coming out of it. But uh, folks, uh, if you haven't had those battles yet, then you really haven't, well, all of us have, whether we realize it or not. So I don't want to say if you don't have them, well, I've never really experienced anything like you said, Pastor. Well, you know, there again, each one of us have our different situations in life. But there are times when we have to decide, am I going to follow God and trust him or will I not? And so, uh, like, uh, what was it uh, I heard the other day? When God speaks to your heart, speaks to you, and you see obviously that he's saying something, how you respond to it really shows what you think about God. And I think that's true. Okay. Any comments or questions other than from the peanut gallery up there? (laughs) 